0: On the Pilot TV Podcast this week, we are breaking out the watercolours and heading to Renaissance Italy for Amazon's Leonardo, interrogating an amnesiac with Emily Watson in ITV miniseries Too Close, and heading across to Dublin to spend some time with Frank of Ireland on Channel 4. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to the ins and outs of life during peak TV. And joining me... As we soldier on through yet another episode of this podcast are the Robson and Jerome of modern TV journalism, Boyd Hilton and Terry White the latter of which has formed her own splinter group over the past week yes in an effort to take the fight to the diehards Terry has solicited her own little band of followers uh, with a collective named still TBC the terriers was mooted and i think was something of a firm favorite though i still favor the terrorists myself isn't that right terry uh
1: yes i mean you know i've had i've heard all of those uh, puns before none of them are original um but i i i Feel like the Terriers because you know, scrappy and and gonna bite your ankles, and yeah. you know, a little bit like that's my impression of a Terrier. See,
0: your name's a bit problematic, you know. I, I toyed with you know, white power, white supremacists, that kind of thing. It, it turns out not. that they're already taken, so we can't really go with those. Absolutely
1: not, yeah, yeah taken by hate groups,
0: yeah, um, yeah. So, diff- different type of hate about, group.
1: I am all, as we all know, about the love,
0: yes, yes, you what are. What about whiteheads? <laughs>
1: And oh. What was it? Whiteheads and, and um, Boyd. What was yours?
0: Um, I can't remember what mine was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's it. That's, That's it. it. That's it. all you've got. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure there was a Boyd one. I have forgotten it. was one. one. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, feel free to send in your but suggestions for. You two have much for... more fervent followers. Armies of followers. I think. <laughs> it says the man with a hundred thousand Twitter well, followers. Yeah, but they're not. Um, you know.
1: I know how many Twitter followers <laughs> I know have. how
0: many Twitter followers all of you <laughs> have. Boring, I, sit here, I sit up at night in a sea of green envy looking at your spiralling follow accounts and my That's dwindling so ones. so
1: weird. Yeah, yeah,
0: amazing. Give me some of your followers now. Boyd, you should go out on your Twitter feed and endorse me publicly and insist that all of your followers follow oh. me. Okay. Although Eve Miles follows me, and I don't think she follows either oh, of you, yeah, so fuck oh, you. No, that's that's a good one. Does
1: yeah. she? Did she listen to our review?
0: <laughs> I'm just taking credit for it. Um,
1: this <laughs> oh is, this my is, god!
0: this is momentous for for another occasion, and that is that this is the very last podcast that Terry will be doing from down here. Oh, yeah. in London, because tomorrow, tomorrow, she migrates up. To, you know, the Frostfangs. I frost fangs. sing the
2: song tomorrow there for a minute. <laughs>
0: tomorrow,
1: tomorrow, 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 I love ya, tomorrow.
0: So, so what's happening, Terry, tell us.
1: Uh, what has happened is the north has risen again. Uh, I am moving to Manchester after 21 wonderful, mainly, years in London. I am, I am leaving the south.
0: Is this my fault? Is this because I keep taking the piss out of you for not being a proper northerner?
1: I mean, yeah, that's going to have to stop now, isn't it? <laughs> eh? Eh? Uh, I think it's actually, you know how people say when you have a baby, your priorities change. And I completely see that. For example, for me, I realised my son was going to have a southern Hampstead accent, and that was completely <laughs> unacceptable. <laughs> so therefore, we're moving to the north so he can have a proper accent. You were worried
0: your son would grow up to be me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, Christ, it was. We were walking down the street one day in lockdown, and a uh, little kid ran past us and went mummy, mommy, mommy and it was like you in tiny boy form <laughs> and i just looked at my boyfriend and said absolutely not we need to leave
0: were you going through picture books and uh, and he pointed something went artisanal bakery and you were like fuck this
1: <laughs> <laughs> baby, there was a local coffee place on the corner has baby chinos listed uh, oh, that God. was the other breaking point oh, so yeah, we are we made are with, decamping.
2: Made with quinoa. I
1: mean, baby chino is just hot milk.
0: It is right. Yeah, like that's literally it. Yeah. So it's I not baby chino. I understand. Like it's not it's not your personal brand really to live in Hampstead. I think moving up north where it is, you know, grim would be would be better for you. So that's that's good. Good help you creatively.
1: I'm moving to a, a very middle class part of Manchester. I'll have you know. It's you, oh.
0: thank God. <laughs> <not enough. laughs> <laughs> More importantly though, will there be lots of ambient noise that I then have to cut out of the podcast? Really, that's my pressing concern uh, here.
1: Uh, so here's. here's here's... Here's some exciting news for you, James. The house um, is only attached on one side. The other side is free and easy, which means I will be recording from, for the first time in our entire working relationship, I will be recording from a room with no noise.
0: This is unbelievable. I'm sure you'll find a way. I, I, yeah. I have no doubt there will be there will be noise created. But moving on from Terry's noise situations, shall we? Shall we switch into what we've been watching this week? As I, I brace myself for yet another horror show, come on, hit me with it. What are you talking about? Horror show of what? Okay, inevitably, every for week, a TV that you, you don't will, consider to be indeed, worthy. you will roll out <laughs> either some reality show that I'm never going to watch, or some grim documentary series that I'm equally never going to watch. But please carry on. Okay, well, I won't do that. Um, The the Louis Theroux documentary, shooting Joe Exotic,
2: um, which we didn't get to review because it wasn't quite ready yet. Um, I was told uh, that went out on the back holiday Monday. I think it was in a 90 minute. It was kind of half look back because Louis Theroux was the first person to get Joe Exotic um, on TV, uh, about ten years ago, in an episode of one of his series. So it was partly a look back at that because obviously Joe Exotic is now in prison. Spoiler alert: so um, there's no actual uh, access to him. But he talked to Louis, talked to his team, and there. But it was a hard part about their efforts to get him pardoned or let out. Either they were trying to get Donald Trump to pardon him or um, commute his sentence, etc. That didn't work. Um, and there was a lot of discussion about um, the true nature of Joe Exotic that wasn't necessarily covered in the uh, Netflix series. Uh, there was a lot, of, so it's very interesting. The most interesting element I thought of the, of the documentary was Louis Theroux, kind of in a way, having a go at or, or, or interrogating at least how documentary series like the the Joe Exotic series of Netflix was made, and kind of what they leave out and what they put in, and how they frame the narrative. Which I think, for one documentarian to kind of analyse another documentary, so is, I think it's a really interesting thing to do. And Luther, I mean, you know, it was very I thought it was, came across very fair and balanced. But as he always does, but I thought that was very interesting. There's stuff that happens, shall we say that wasn't covered definitely in the Netflix, even though it was an epic, quite long series with multi-episodes, there was still stuff that wasn't covered. And um, Louis also spoke to Carol Baskin and her husband, and that was interesting, the amount of misogyny and hatred that Carol Baskins faced, famously accused by Joe Exotic and others of having something to do with the disappearance of one of her former husbands. That was addressed and when Louis brought that up and Louis asked her about that and and her husband got very defensive and that was incredibly awkward to watch. but again fascinating so but i thought what what it was was, was a lesson in 90 minutes it was an, it was a feature length documentary but it covered in 90 minutes kind of everything that you needed to know i felt it seemed to as opposed to the netflix series as entertaining as it was which kind of framed him in a certain way and didn't necessarily cover everything that needed to be covered.
1: But can't you remember when he, um, I'm sure you will, when he went back and revisited Saville yeah. after his death? And I and that kind of part of that was both interrogating himself and kind of how he'd been taken in by him, but also the form, like, right. can you actually ever, through documentary, Absolutely. through that kind of um, contrived circumstance almost, can you ever... Really uncover the reality and the truth about a person, and that's what I found most fascinating about his savile revisit. Was it was as much an interrogation of of the documentary form as it was him as yeah. a documentarian.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It, absolutely. And 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 did that exact same thing this time. Yeah. That's 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 totally the case. Yeah. And I just other-
1: said the documentary <laughs> form. <laughs> oh, I know. I
2: mean, I wasn't <laughs> going but- to say anything, but.
1: The bell end alarm sanctioned. did go off silently at my end. <laughs> beep, 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 <laughs> he beep. Interrogating the documentary form. <laughs> wow. None of that in the fucking north, let
2: me tell you. Right, <laughs> you out of Manchester week. for that shit. Yeah. It's alright, it's living in the middle class bit of Manchester. Be fine. <laughs> and I have to talk about line of duty. So no spoilers, but just to say, so episode four will have gone out when this podcast goes out on Monday. Yes. And I think episode four is an all time great oh. episode absolute I've not seen yet. classic there is so much happening in that episode there is an incredible action sequence there are there's interrogation there's shocks and twists and revelations and a, an amazing um kind of cliffhanger ending i've also seen episode five which has one of the all-time great cl- cliffhanger endings of tv history he's really he is really play i'm gonna say <laughs> jim mercurio is toying with the form of his own show of crime drama. He's he. Th- it's almost comical the how he le- leaves episodes four and five at the end. Like he he knows that it's kind of like he's really torturing us, and that we can't just watch it the next day in a binge format. We have to wait seven days to the next episode. He's kind of playing with that and delighting in it, and it's incredible. I'm I'm going to compare, and he's bringing back so many characters from previous series and touching upon so many plot strands from the previous five series of this show. It feels like Avengers Endgame. It's yeah, like the it Avengers Endgame of TV crime drama and it, the more it goes on this series the more of that is happening and he I think and I've no this is totally my own theory. I've no, you know, Evidence for this is not a spoiler. I haven't seen beyond episode five. I think he's might be leading up to a point where this whole this there's just like a, a a complete reset of the series after this. And that it reaches <gasps> an absolute massive conclusion. We find out who the last H person is. I mean, someone might die in, in the core trio or some or one of them might go off somewhere. I, I think that core trio and this densely textured web he's woven over the last Six series, including this one, will come to an end, if you like. But I think I imagine the BBC won't let him put an end to the series because it's Mm -hmm. the biggest hit Mm -hmm. in the world. It will carry on in some reset form. I think that's just a theory that I've come up with because it's building up (gasps) to such a head of steam, (gasps) covering everything that's ever happened (laughs) so far. It feels that way to me.
1: Yeah, well, because there was the copper last episode. Last episode that aired, um, the copper who um, assaulted Farida, who'd obviously assaulted. Help me out with her name. Kitty Hall's
0: character, Keely Hall's character, Hall's yeah. the character yeah.
1: with the scalding <laughs> water, and I have a. Th- I'm not going to say what it is in case I'm. I'm right, and people think I know this somehow because I know nothing. Let me just be clear about that. I have a big Tony Gates theory. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I just
0: say, every time someone says. I've got a theory. There's a Pavlovian that it's a demon that just plays in my head and I've never been able to shake it. But I've, I'm once more with feeling to such an extent that I cannot separate that phrase from that episode of television. Uh, I'm sorry.
1: But, but do you know what I think as well about Line of Duty? There's another reason I think it's so resonant at the moment. We talked the other week about um, the pr- kind of problem of procedural police shows that show police in a completely great Yeah lie and completely misrepresent actually statistically how many crimes are solved and um, it's a problem with svu i've talked about before and that they usually um rapes are both prosecuted and convicted with um a huge amount of regularity which is obviously not the reality in real life where only 1.4 percent of rapes are prosecuted but line of duty leans so much into obviously there's good cops as well right like our core trio you hope um but it's probably one of the few shows that fully acknowledges the. And I know, obviously, it's, it's built around a corruption unit, but fully leans into the fact that corruption is rife and institutional in the police. Like, Absolutely. if you think of yeah. if any other show that does that in that way and fully accepts it, you know, that you are meant to believe as much as they say not. Um, you're meant to believe what Hastings does, that it is absolutely rife and it is absolutely in the bones of the police.
2: Completely. And very interestingly, there's a new strand to the story that that, that, that in which racism uh, is covered. And, it's, and I thought that was fascinating. That's all I say about it. But he brings that in as well now which I thought was, uh, uh, at this moment in time, I thought that was very, very interesting for him to do that. And Jeb Mercurio, he, the, you know, the power he has, if you like, I think he wields with great responsibility, but I think he does wield it. And I think to bring these issues up, to look at the fact that, yes, police corruption is rife and possibly racism is institutionalised within within the police force, etc., he is
0: dealing with that. He's bringing it absolutely out there front and centre. Yes, I'm enjoying Line of Duty immeasurably although has to be said i i once again this week forgot to watch it until very late on sunday night and then had to watch it because you and your your spoiler twat ilk will of course insist on ruining this for me <laughs> Who you on social about? media who's spoiler uh, twat
1: ilk we don't friend? spoil it
0: no That's... you are you you are part of the problem because you have excused and justified oh. the spoilers on last week's show so I'm, I'm lumping you all in the same camp ridiculous well you are spoiler I, enablers <laughs>
1: Shut your face. I have been, bearing in mind everything I just said, I have been watching, and um, I wouldn't like to disappoint you, James, by not talking about shows like this. I watched, I've watched. i been watching two police reality shows, which actually when you contra- contrast them with Law and, Order, um, Law and Order, Line of Duty, they're quite different. So one it's called The Detectives Fighting Organised Crime, which is on BBC Two, and it's Greater Manchester Police, it's kind of, fo- I didn't even know you could follow these kind of units, but there. it's essentially an organised crime unit led by these two amazing women, this one woman in particular, who are complete nails, don't take any bullshit. They're literally, there's this one woman who seems to be single-handedly taking down Greater Manchester's biggest organised crime gangs. And she's like totally ballsy, totally brilliant. Um, Again, it's probably totally, I'm sure she, she's a very nice person, but maybe not representative of all police, but it's incredibly, um, incredibly well done. And then the other thing, which there's been loads of talk on Twitter about is 24 hours in police custody, which has been on, I mean, it's it's how many seasons has it been now, Boydie? like oh, quite a few, right? I think, it, yeah. And it just, honestly, the format is compelling. It's exactly as it sounds, which is it follows 24. Well, it usually follows um 24 hours in police custody. This week's was slightly different, but, the last two have been absolutely extraordinary, extraordinary. Oh. So the last two episodes have been mental. So there was one which um, there was a good man on the loose, um, who it basically turned out to be this guy with severe mental health issues who'd been smoking cannabis and being abused as a kid, and it, the whole thing is was just heartbreaking and devastating. And then this week's episode was um, was called the No Body Murder. And it was essentially about a guy who went missing four years ago. And it actually followed the police over about 18 months, two years. He'd been missing. His sister reported him missing. They thought he'd actually was the victim of modern slavery, but he'd been assaulted just before he went missing. And it it seemed like he was dead. There was no kind of dispute about that. They declared him dead. They were looking for a body. I won't spoil what happened because it is a roller coaster of an episode. But just let me say that everything you think is going to happen doesn't. It was a bonkers hour of telly. I mean, I have to say the cops on this were slightly. Um, let me just say, there's a middle-aged man trying to get over a fence in a very <laughs> undignified manner, and it's the most uh, probably perfect example of middle-aged British policing I've ever seen in my life. As he tries to shimmy over this fence in two tight jeans and a tight jacket, um, yeah. So that if you haven't watched that yet this season, that they're all on. Um, 4OD demand, or whatever it's called. All four. <laughs> They're all on all four and it has been exceptional this time around.
2: That's what I love about that series is that is is the police. are such just normal people, aren't they? They're so normal, and yet they're doing this incredibly important stuff and this intricate kind of um, forensic investigations. But they're just like the the butcher around the corner. It's very it's very interesting.
1: Honestly, there's a bit where they are trying to they get a mobile signal and it's in a very small area and they're trying to find out where it's coming from and it's on, i was like had my head in my hands it was so it was like a a, a group of butchers had got together and tried to do a bit of police work cuz none of them seemed to know what they were doing i'm not saying they were incompetent because that would be defamatory mm. but um yes it, it, they were not as you may expect the police to be as polished and uh, on top of their shit but yeah brilliant 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 storytelling those shows do
0: so This morning, before we recorded this podcast, I got up and watched the fourth episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And before watching that, I was going to... Well, I was going to have a thing in this post where I was going to say, we we need to talk about The Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, in that it's not great. And I'm still not convinced it's great, but this was a better episode this week. Like, more happened. They seem to have finally discovered some stakes, which is, you know, (laughs) novel, for beyond halfway through the uh, the story of the show. It's been quite nebulous and wandering thus far. And the banter, which felt like it was kicking up a notch in episode two, which I did prefer to episode one, like, felt, again three felt very flat and three mystified me because a lot happened in that episode in terms of you know they went to madripoor there were explosions there was a death there were things going on but you didn't really care and you weren't sure even halfway through so halfway through the story we weren't sure a who the villain was b what the stakes were c what would happen if they didn't stop the people that they were chasing they were not even sure they want to catch it just feels a bit rambling and after Vision. It's a bit of a letdown, and especially having seen the Loki trailer, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later, which looks exciting and enticing and layered and interesting. And this is quite bland. It's not quite Agents of Shield bland, but it's not that far off.
1: Which is I say? just don't think it's good enough. I am sorry, like I hate to be harsh. Well, I don't, but <laughs> no, you don't. It, I just I just don't think it's good enough. I think this day around this show, in Kevin Feige's universe, storytelling universe, I think there was some of the the best people working in in this kind of film and TV in the entire world. They they can do amazing Mm. storytelling. They can do amazing pacing. They can do amazing dialogue. Like, we've seen it in other properties. We've seen it on film. I don't understand quite what's happened. And somebody said to me, oh, well, it's what happens when you take essentially two sidekicks you don't really care about and give them their own show. And I just don't buy that because I I honestly believe... Kevin Feige can build out a, a mm-hmm. compelling character from anything and anybody, and there are inherent stakes in those characters. I've always felt, but it's it feels, and I've said this before, and I don't mean this as a pejorative about where TV is now, but it's what people might have imagined Marvel TV would yeah. have been a few years ago, and
0: what it has been a few years ago. Yes, mm. and it's
1: but, but it's, I don't get it because everything else and Loki, as you say, looks the same could exist on the big screen or the small screen. It's always meant to be that mm. it doesn't matter where it ends up. It still has the same look, the same power, the same production values, the same storytelling. And I've always bought into that theory, it falls down for me here, and I just don't see what the... I don't think there's any excuse for it. I really don't.
0: No, mm. I, know, I know what you mean. Like I say, I think the fourth episode, suddenly we're more invested in what's going on. There are some interesting developments. And like I'm now more interested to see what happens but even so i can't help thinking that they you know they dodged a bullet by having this delayed and starting with wandavision oh, because they yeah. they, yeah they set out the table and they were like okay we can do this yeah. Whereas if they started with this i think the excitement for the marvel tv shows would have waned very quickly Whereas i think now we're like okay this is a blip and no pun intended and now we're going to get into loki and it's going to pick up again after this is finished
2: i think they thought this would be like a, a perfectly decent gateway almost from the cinematic mm universe to the tv version of it and i th- and so i think it does feel kind of safe and you know because I, th- I think it does by and large technically it, it, it's it's fine good some some sequences are look amazing you know some mm. of it not so much but but generally you like it's kind of exactly what you would expect in a way i think bar but, but- as, as Terry says, bar the, particularly the dialogue. And I think my main yes. issue with it is, I also watched episode four this morning. Episode three was definitely the worst. in term, it, just didn't, it, just, it just didn't work, did it? It, was like it, it no. brought a lot of new stuff in, but in yeah. the end you were like, to no purpose and not in a memorable way. But I think the biggest problem for me is the dialogue. Because if you set up this whole thing as being bounce between these two guys that we're going to love, and the bounce is so basic... Yeah, that is yeah. such a problem because it is weak the big source. thing yeah because the big thing about those Marvel films is that loose quality to the dialogue and that you know and and, and mm. I, I mean Obviously, a large part of it, I think, was established by Robert Downey Jr., you know, in the Iron Man films, that loose kind of way yeah. of being funny with each other and that. And, and, and they, almost like every character ended up adopting that tone in a way, but I think it worked because it made it meant every single step of the way there was like a sense of humour to it and there was a wit to it. This feels like
0: they're trying so hard to do that and not... and, and Very, very rarely pulling it off. Yeah, there is a particular exchange in the most recent episode where they are talking about the morality of taking the super soldier serum. Mm. And it is so clumsy and so leaden. And you're just like, this needs a light touch. It needs a sparkle. This dialogue should sing like it does in the movies. There's kind of no excuse for it to be this dull. And I think when you add that to a storyline that's quite muddied and doesn't really give you any emotional stakes. It just makes the whole thing feel very flat. And I think you kind of, you know, either either go for the band to make it fun and fluffy or go for something serious, you know, sort of Cold War espionage, you know, make it really layered and deep and complex. But it's neither. And I'm not quite sure. You know, like I say, the final two episodes could absolutely knock it out the park. Who the fuck knows? But um, yeah, li- little disappointed thus far in Falcon the Winter Soldiers. And along those lines, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier spoiler <laughs> specials, do, of course, air every Monday. You have to pay for them, and as you can tell, it's definitely worth it. Two ninety nine a month, absolute bargain. Sign up, emperoronline dot com slash spoiler specials. That's, uh, that's that's the sales pitch. Um, speaking that bit of, of the cinematic- end, there, where you went, spoiler specials was very <laughs>
2: yeah. specials. very like radio. <laughs> two salesmen
0: I'm, I'm very, let,
1: let's just it's say partridge. it it was partridge. Partridge. <laughs> partridge. Yeah. Yeah. partridge let's just say
0: it aha <laughs> uh-huh. um, it's not beat around the bush yeah yeah, yeah. Speaking of cinematic gateways, uh, I finished <laughs> Snowpiercer, which oh. I am still very much enjoying. I have to say, season two was a different flavour to season one, and I enjoyed it. It was an interesting move to kind of feather in the fact, like you knew Sean Bean was going to be in it as Mr. Wilford, because his voice was heard in the first season, although he was not a presence in that season. But in this, he has been the most hissable villain imaginable, kind of throwing the social strata of Snowpiercer into, like, chaos. I, I've, I've thought it's really good. I've really enjoyed it. Jennifer They've but- t- kind of taken a back seat this season, and it has been very much on Bean and David Diggs, and I have liked it a lot. So I enjoyed, I enjoyed season Typical. two of Snowpiercer. Typical.
1: Yeah, less woman, I enjoy it much more.
0: Sideline the woman. Yeah, sideline the woman. The whole thing's much better. Uh, no, it's been good. And I've liked uh, I've liked some of the stuff that it's dealt with. I, ha- I am behind on The Walking Dead, though that final episode of this extra new batch, uh, this is Negan, which is the one I'm really looking forward to, has aired. And I've heard good things about it. But I've got another four to watch before that because I've got behind. Frankly, because my Game of Thrones rewatch is getting out of hand. So oh, I'm Jesus. near the end of season three at the moment. I am loving every minute of it. It has to be said. But it is a demanding master, and uh, I've not been able to fit in as much other TV as I would like. So The Walking Dead has had to take a back seat. Sorry about that. Amazing. Did I mention this is my house last
2: week?
1: No, oh. so I didn't know this when some, somebody yeah. asked us about this on yeah, Twitter. I, I, do, I didn't I know what this it. was.
2: This is the thing that, that I've left saved just to last because this is the thing that will annoy James and his oh, army. Oh god, is
0: this a home improvement show?
2: No, no, no. It's not. It's basically a game show on BBC One <sighs> Wednesdays. It's moving to Thursdays from next week. Um, and um, hosted by Stacey Dooley. And basically, it's um, Through the Keyhole meets Would I Lie to You over an hour per episode. And it's invented by Richard Bacon. Full (laughs) disclosure, Richard Bacon is a friend of mine. But it has become a phenomenon, brilliantly, because it's so enjoyable and entertaining and weird. It's basically four people say they own the house, and three of them are actors, one of them is the real owner, and they try to convince a celebrity panel (laughs) that... One of the, which are, they all own the house, but only one of them really does. And the 70 pound has to guess. And the prize money, brilliantly, is only a thousand pounds at the end of this hour of epic analysis. <laughs> so, just, whoever, if, if, if the celebrities fail to get it right, the actual owner wins it, but it's incredibly entertaining and James will hate it. But if you like the sound of Would I Lie to You meets through the keyhole, two of the greatest formats in TV history, obviously, then you'll love it. <sighs> Boydy, boydy, boydy. You're going to cut that out, James. No, I, you know what? I should do. <laughs> I, I should do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. But I wouldn't be surprised if you do. I'm going
1: to watch yeah, it. Yeah,
2: you'll love it. You you will love it.
1: Yeah, I'm going to watch yeah, it. I and am. Then, if you cut it out this week, James, I'm going to watch it and talk about it double next week. <laughs> Which you like me, I watched the Tina Turner documentary. Oh, yeah, oh, of course you did. And it was incredible. Amazing. Do you feel free like, to talk
0: about it in excruciating detail?
1: Like, really, <laughs> I found it really moving mm. and really upsetting. And, you know, just, oh, I mean, and she's faced so much tragedy. Just the, the tribute at the end because her, her son um, took his own life a few years ago. Just tragedy after tragedy. Oh, no. That's all I've got to say. It's incredibly sad. It was incredibly well made. It was incredibly inspiring. It was an absolute roller coaster of emotion. Brilliantly done. If anybody is interested in that, it is on Sky and now TV. Sky documentaries. And ignore James because he's got yeah. no soul. So, so well. So well. No <laughs> so
0: well uh, Last week I made the mistake of poo-pooing the documentary, which teed up boy to talk about it for a further ten minutes. I have learned from my mistake. I will not be doing that again. So let's move straight on now. No poo-pooing. <laughs> no poo-pooing. <laughs> As Lord melchett might say. Uh, yeah. Um let's move straight on to the listener question. And this week's comes from Jackie. And this is quite a simple one, but it is what shows are you most looking forward to the next season of?
1: Can I say Line of Duty, even though this season hasn't finished yet? I mean, that's fair though. But yeah. it's a
0: kind of show, isn't it? There is a type of show where, even if it's not your favourite show on television, although you could argue Line of Duty is certainly one of them, uh, it just the need to see more of the story is overwhelming. Like you get massive withdrawal when it comes off the air. Uh, for example, how I did when Fate the Wink Saga finishes. Like, <laughs> oh give me God. more <laughs> winks. That's what I'm saying. I need more winks. I assumed that winks was going to be your answer. I mean, it, or The Witcher. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just assuming. Oh, God, we've had to wait an extra year for The Witcher. That is nearly killing me. Yeah,
2: yeah, I bet. I've come up with five. I've got my top five. Okay, give right. me with your five. Succession. And we're <sighs> seeing oh, – shut up. We're seeing um, photos of them filming Succession. Um, Pat photos have surfaced, so they're, they're filming it. It's underway. They've been filming it for a while. But I think it is still the greatest current HBO ongoing drama. I can't believe Terry Sturzen watched it because she'll really love it.
1: I know. She would yeah. I know. like it. would like yeah. it, yeah.
2: You really should watch it. Full of bellends, Well, brilliant, Belen. You
1: actually put me off. Yeah, don't James, don't, you I James put why. you off.
2: <laughs> don't mean, go by me. You yeah, hate everything I, I like.
1: <laughs> I know that's what I've just realised. Yeah. actually, that should have done the exactly. opposite.
2: <laughs> should have done the opposite. Um, the Crown, season five, which which is also this is bleeding into news, but they're starting to film the Crown soon this summer, season five. But just remember the cast for season five because this is a complete. This is the cast: Elizabeth Debicki as Princess Diana, Elizabeth Debicki. Right? Dominic West as Prince Charles, Imelda Staunton as the Queen, (laughs) Leslie Manville as Princess fucking Margaret. I mean, what a cast. They've got an already Rolls Royce cast, they've kind of rushed it up a level again for series five. So I can't wait for that. Feel Good, the second series, Mm. which I think is going to come probably sooner than we think. This year, to Netflix. Remember, Netflix have completely um, yes, that's right. Uh, that. Uh, channel, channel Four, mm. let go. We all loved uh, series one. It was one of our shows of the year last year. And uh, May Martin's thing. Can't wait to see how that goes. Ted Lasso, season two. Yes, um, yes, absolutely here for that. Loving Terry, f- you're excited about that, aren't you? <laughs>
1: Can't
2: wait. <laughs> Honestly, it's fucking brilliant. It's and it's sweeping the awards. It was a SAG oh. award last week.
1: Sweeping, <laughs> sweeping the awards, the award. <laughs> sweeping them up. The awards.
2: <laughs> and finally, and this is coming very soon. In a few weeks' time, this time with Alan Partridge series two, which I I am gonna I'm I'm predicting now is going to be even funnier and better and more spectacular than the brilliant (laughs) series one who the hell is (laughs) that oh Oh, god (sighs) (sighs) yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) well i'm gonna say mine so probably mine mine there's some cloth crossover there ted lasso is definitely one of mine i need more ted lasso in my Mm. life like that really pepped me up for the week i spent watching that during during lockdown so that was great sex education i desperately painfully miss. Because we would have had that early this year, you know, had we not had COVID. And I'm I'm massively missing sex education. Also home, Rufus Jones is home. I really, really want to see what happens with Sammy. I need to see series three of that. But with other stuff, the kind of things that like weirdly Like Fort Salem, I know this sounds ridiculous, but Fort Salem is one where it got to the end of that, and I was really gutted because I was getting quite into the story, and lots of stuff happens at the end of that, so I desperately want to see that, more of that. Same with Carnival Row, which I know I'm the only one that likes, there is a theme here. But (laughs) I really, really wanted to see what happened in Carnival Row as well, so I'm very excited to see more of of that. Uh, Beyond that, the obvious, Discovery and Picard, both of which had trailers this week. Oh, yeah. I feel, you know... Bereft without my Star Trek kit, so I definitely need some more of that, which we've already mentioned. But uh, and obviously, the final season of the Expanse is the next one, so the next one will be the the very last season of the Expanse. So that, if I could pick one show that I could watch now, it would absolutely be the final season of the Expanse. But uh, I can't. No one's so, surprised. No, no.
1: Um, mine were again. There is some crossover. Um, Line of Duty, which I'm putting in regardless. Uh, the Crown, which I think is just going to be incredible and actually, never going to watch it. Um, uh, <laughs> that's because you have no soul, as we've already established. Soulless. And uh, Killing Eve, only oh, because yeah. I really, really, I you know, I was mixed on the last season, yeah. but it's still one of the shows that I most look forward to. And I, I, you know, obviously, as we know, it always has a change of showrunner. Mm. I'm, I'm really interested to see where it it goes next. I never um, finished season three. A lot of people didn't. I mm. I forced myself through to the end and it was up and down and there were some there were a couple of episodes that were some of the best Killing Cave episodes ever, but there were some that were, were really missed the mark. So mm. it was very patchy across the piece. Okay. Also
0: oh, I quite want to see now that I've caught up with his dark materials, I quite want to see how that ends. I want to see the final season of that. Also yeah. I've never read The Amber Spyglass. It's the only one of the books I've never read, so I genuinely have no idea how it ends. Um so I, I quite want to see that too. All right, fine. So that is what we are most looking forward to, Jackie. I hope that has answered your question. Uh, if you would like to, in fact, no, let me rephrase that. I demand that all of you submit tons of questions via DM to at Pilot TV Pod because I went in there this week looking for questions and there was nothing in there there was there was was a wasteland of questions so uh please send your questions to that so i don't have to do a chris hewitt and do a night before shout out for things because they will get lost in my mentions and i forget about them uh whereas if they are sent to at pilot tv pod via dm then they are preserved for posterity shall we move on to this week's news and uh a lot of things have happened this week who would like to start
1: can we start with talking about sarah hughes um sarah hughes was a incredible tv and culture writer. actually she write about she wrote about all manner of things she used to write about sport um she wrote about human rights issues she but she most latterly wrote brilliantly about uh TV and books, but um but especially about TV. So she wrote for um The Eye Paper, she wrote for The Guardian and The Observer, her Game of Thrones and Line of Duty recaps were absolutely legendary for The Guardian, which she was writing until very recently. And she also wrote, it should be said, for Empire and Pilot. Most recently, she wrote an incredible five-star It's a Sin review um, for Empire, which was an exceptional piece of writing, as as pretty much all of her writing was. I mean, she was a mum, she had two kids, um, and a husband who she leaves behind. She's written extensively about living with incurable cancer. There's an incredible piece she wrote for The Guardian that has been shared a lot this week about Game of Thrones and, and, and living with incurable cancer which is just one of the best pieces I think she ever wrote. And she, it was um, revealed on Twitter by her husband this week that she sadly died on on Monday night.
2: Yeah, she was amazing. And I think, like, I was reading her Line of Duty. She's doing the Line of Duty um uh, reviews every week in The Guardian, like she did with Game of Thrones, yeah. the, the, the catch-ups, and they were so brilliant. And um, I thought it was really good that Jed Mercurio and the production company of Line of Duty paid tribute to her. Um, mm. She's, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Talent person. A
1: lot of people did actually. I feel Sarah Phelps did because I think you know she she was recognised as a really brilliant voice, but also somebody who kind of tirelessly championed stuff. She wasn't the kind of writer who was looking to pull things down. She wanted to celebrate stuff and and really highlight the amazing stuff that people should be watching. And I think her passion and her just great kind of full throated enthusiasm for TV. Always came through in everything she did, which I think made her hugely respected.
0: Mm. She was a lovely, lovely, lovely person and a brilliant writer. No, she just had such, such a huge knowledge of television, but also mm. such passion. I yeah, I loved her recaps. Her Game of Thrones recaps in particular were fantastic. Yeah, but uh, but genuinely a really lovely person with it as well. So that's yes, it's very very sad news.
2: And in the same um in the same um uh, realm, we have to mention um, Paul Ritter.
0: Mm-hmm. Of course,
1: yeah.
2: Um, who passed away this week as well? And it was absolutely another incredible, absolutely brilliant actor. Um, Most famous for Friday Night Dinner, Chernobyl, but dubbed loads and loads of brilliant TV, film, theatre. But he was just also one of the nicest people in acting and in in the, in this in in show business, whatever you want to call it absolutely incredible I met him quite a few times he was just so sweet and funny and charming and normal incredibly normal like the most unaffected um, actor ever and I just love Friday Night Dinner is one of my favourite shows oh, and um, I watched quite a lot of it this week I didn't forget to mention that at the beginning because I, I thought we'd talk about it in this bit but he's so brilliant in that it's like he is the dad of those of those guys in that show and yeah so that was really sad but he, absolutely brilliant person as well
1: shall we talk about the Loki trailer yeah go on Um then. Uh, so the Loki trailer came out this week, and actually, do you know what? Like, especially given what we've said about Falcon and Winter Soldier, it looked amazing—like mm. amazing. But do I? And I—I I really liked it. I wasn't entirely. I thought it was going to be funnier. That's what it is. Oh. I'll cut to the chase. Um, I thought the the Owen Wilson bits would be funnier. And it was probably actually more what Boyd was talking about earlier, which is that kind of gentle, laconic humour. But we are very excited by this because I also want to mention that Tom Hiddleston is on the cover of the new Empire. As you're listening to this, it will have been revealed the previous Friday. He's our cover star. Um, We talked to him about Loki. It's the first time he's talking about it to anybody anywhere in the world. Uh, We also photographed him and we talked to him about his entire career. Um, It is a brilliant, I have to say, interview by Chris Hewitt. A brilliant shoot. So please, if that sounds like it's up your street, that is up for pre-order on greatmagazines.co.uk. But you were warm on this trailer, weren't you? James, I think
0: I really liked it. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was funny. I thought I well, I think Hiddleston is fantastic as Loki. I really do. Like he's one of my favourite MCU characters, and uh, and I think you get that lokiness from this. And I, you know, I think Owen Wilson's deadpan kind of absurdity works brilliantly. You're right. It's not. It's not like laugh a minute. The trailer is, but I think it shows the potential for humour in the series. And as long as they nail it, uh, I think this could be really, really, really good. Like I, I enjoyed the you know, please sign here to confirm this is everything you've ever said this is absurd and it prints out another sheet i mean that made me giggle um but he's such a great character i i yeah i, I don't quite know what this series is i don't think anyone really does but no. uh, i am i'm 100 here for it boy
1: day what yeah, did I you really
2: think like, I, I, it got me I, I i was kind of not particularly i didn't really have much awareness of what it was going to be or have any much interest even in i mean i've definitely was you know expecting to watch it but the the trailer actually got me really excited about it i think it I think it looks great. I love him. I, I kind of Tommy Luston gets a hard time, doesn't he, for being kind of a bit posh? Well, not quite very posh, and kind of a bit goofy, like because he does goofy stuff in interviews. And mm. but I love that about him. I, think he's, I like, think he's great. I think he celebrates, you know, his role in the world and being a famous actor. And I think he, his embracing of that is what what I love about him. So and he's I think also this, a lovely,
0: lovely man. Yeah, right, he is. But there've been a lot of trailers actually this week. So we had. Did you watch the Mosquito Coast trailer? I didn't. No, but I am very excited about that show, though yeah like that that because yeah. i was completely indifferent before to the trailer i'm like oh do you know what there's a lot going on here i'm i'm excited to watch actually mosquito coast that's on apple isn't it Is yeah that apple show yeah yeah it's an yeah. apple show uh yeah so that was yeah, because good We've had i'm excited
2: like- about justin theroux was on louis through you know that they are um cousins mm. isn't it Is justin Thoreau?
0: Thoreau, correct theroux. <laughs> correct yeah. but he was on louis
2: louis theroux's
0: um uh, interview
2: show on bbc and they were brilliant together and he got me very excited about that project which yeah. is, of course, based written on the book by the other Thoreau. Yeah, there's a lot of it's Thoreau a lot of going, going on. on there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was a really good one. Uh, the trailer for Mark Miller's Jupiter's Legacy. Came out this week, which I have to say, I don't think it's the best trailer I've ever seen. I'm hopeful that the series will be a lot better than the trailers, but I don't think the trailer really sells it very well. But it has a kind of boisey vibe and I do love the boys, so I remain optimistic. But and also uh, bit, but it reminds
2: see. me a bit of the you know, that was the other superhero show on Netflix, the Cat Academy, the um no, Umbrella, Academy. Umbrella, Academy, Umbrella yeah, Academy, which I've given up on. Yeah, me too, yeah. But there's a lot I mean, I know it's such a cliche, but it's so true, isn't it? There's a fuck of a lot of superhero oh, stuff. I love it
0: Hero Boyd, you can never have too many superheroes. Oh, okay. One of the things we've actually—I've been getting some shit about on social media—is that we haven't been watching Invincible. Obviously, if if you yeah. recall, listeners, we didn't review <laughs> Invincible because Boyd insisted that we do a German language nihilistic <laughs> horror show instead. Because, because of, of course we did. <laughs> <laughs> Lousen. <laughs> Lousen. Um, but uh, so I still haven't seen Invincible And my massive prejudice against cartoons Means <laughs> I kind of can't be arsed But everyone's saying It's brilliant, it's amazing, you got to watch it I'm like, do I though? <laughs> um, I have been told if I'm not hooked by the first episode There is something wrong with me um, So at some point maybe long I will well, watch isn't it? it's, it's I an know, l- it's an hour long cartoon yeah. it's just, Life's too short when yeah. you've got You know, eight seasons of Game of Thrones To rewatch for the <laughs> third time <laughs> um but you know it's all good um but what other trailers we had this week there was a child's play teaser which (laughs) um there were also there were also trailers for star trek picard and star trek discovery all i'm gonna say is yes star trek discovery (laughs) new uniforms new haircuts new spatial anomalies yes please so very excited about star trek discovery although everything in that trailer looked a little bit generic apart from the new uniforms but Hey, it's Star Trek, I'll take it. Picard, on the other hand, was a slightly sort of like abstract trailer that ended with a tantalising hint that we're going to see John Delancey's Q in the second season of Star Trek Picard. Uh, and that I am very much here for, very much here for. Terry, would you like to tell us what you think about Q? Uh,
1: uniforms
0: indeed thank you terry for your insight there q of course being the godlike being member of the q continuum who appears not only in the first episode of star trek the next generation and the final episode of star trek the next generation but also appeared within it he's turned up in voyager he's turned up in deep space nine he is awesome we love him he's funny he is uh, picard's nemesis no pun intended uh, and i'm uh, and i'm here for it good great good. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Uh, What else has happened? The Witcher Season 2 has finally wrapped production. I mean, I wanted to see it last Christmas. Not that I'm ungrateful, so please... Put it in my face now. I need that. Um, so that's that's good news. Uh, unfortunately, bad news, of course, is that Jodie Turner-Smith is no longer going to be in The Witcher prequel. Because of scheduling issues on production, she is no longer doing that. Uh, that is a shame. But that is not the worst bit of uncasting news we've had this week, is it, Boyd?
2: Oh, well, I, was, I was just going to say, sorry, I was just going to say, Jodie, there was double Jodie Turner-Smith news, because Channel 5 put out a picture of her in Anne Boleyn. Um oh. the first shot of her with the guy playing I know you do what Bolin, <laughs> and, Bolin. <I'm>
1: Bolin.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. and Bolin the Tudor
1: And Bolin
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyway she's brilliant in it. I'm very excited about that series. We need to talk about Bridgerton. Oh yeah. Uh, yes, Reggae jean Page, the breakout star of Bridgerton, will not be unlacing his britches for season two of that slightly porny period drama, uh, because he's not going to be in it anymore. What do you think of that?
2: Well, I think this has been slightly, uh, as far as I'm aware, the book, I haven't read the books, but um, from what I have read of the books, he doesn't. He his story is pretty much dealt with in the first book, and that you know, kind of he appears only very in a very limited way from from that onwards. And that each book, as I understand each book in the Bridgerton saga has a different central focal figure. And every, and and we kind of carry on with the supporting characters at the same time. So I don't think. So I think it's like, and because he's, it has turned him into a massive star. Uh, it mm. would kind of make sense because why would you force him to be in, you know, as a small supporting role in in the in the next series rather than just? So I think it makes sense. I think people got slightly carried away because people are obsessed with him because he's so handsome and charismatic <laughs> and good. But equally, I don't think it's a huge surprise to fans of the book and the whole saga that 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 that, that, that he's not appearing in the rest of it. And he may okay. well be the next James Bond. Indeed, indeed. I mean, I think I have to say, of all James Bond rumour news, and, and I don't know about you, but I get an email from um, bookies every single day about with James who's going to be the next James Bond stories jane bond james bond stories jane i mean bond. do jane <laughs> bond jane bond yeah. is the porn yeah. parody isn't it yeah right yeah yeah but in this case i think there is probably some truth to the fact that they really are considering him for that role
0: definitely did you see boyd that the friends unscripted reunion yes. special is taping yes. next or rather, as we go out this week i bloody well did yeah yeah and, are you still um, going to be there what's happening
2: I don't think um legally I'm allowed to
0: go <laughs> no um, but my friend Ben
2: Winston who is producing The Reading it yeah it's fucking exciting yeah and um David Schrinner was on Graham Norton last week talking about it I don't know if you saw it he was talking about how yeah that it's happening um confirming that it's not scripted it's totally unscripted it is a get together it's a reunion it's a it's a discussion celebration of the show but he did say tantalizingly there's a bit where they do like a reading of something together that is, where people are gonna really love.
0: Um, it doesn't feel like essential viewing,
2: does it? If you're a Friends fan, of course it fucking will be essential viewing. It's not. Who wants to see? I've, I think we've had this discussion before. I don't want to see a lame scripted episode which doesn't work and which kind of. What about a good scripted episode? Yeah, yeah. yeah. A good scripted oh, episode. But I think this
1: voyeurism of a shit scripted episode, <laughs> I would be here for them sat on the them sat on the couch like tossing each other off for a bit. Do you know what, kind what of I mean? What reunion are you talking about? But- but come on, what are they going to say in that show? You're not going to get any insight or any like. They're they're all so like well media trained and like mm. I don't know. I just imagine it being some glossy nothingness. At least if they did a lame scripted version, we could chew over That's it. That's You know, it'd be a cultural moment. We'll get to
2: see them tossing each other off on a- us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's over, so, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's enough for mine. Yeah, okay. That's
0: fine by me. So that is shooting next week. Something else that's shooting is HBO's The Last of Us is beginning production on July the 5th in Calgary in uh, in Canada. And as you all know, this is the show I'm most excited about. It's due to wrap in June 2022. So I'm hopeful we'll be seeing it by the end of 22. I have no evidence to back that up, but I'm hoping we will. Uh, that's pretty exciting stuff.
2: There's a new American Queer as Folk reboot. You see that now, yes. I saw that, yeah. I did yeah. see that,
0: yeah, which is interesting, I think, because there
2: was an American um, version of it years ago, which ran, I think, for like three, four, five seasons, it went for quite a long time. I only saw a few episodes. I didn't, I, I thought it always felt a bit bland to me compared to the absolutely masterpiece that was Russell T Davis' version. Mm. Um, but I think it's inevitable when you because obviously Russell T Davis' version was just too serious. And once you do an American style version of the show, which has myriad episodes, it is going to almost inevitably weaken it a little bit, weaken the, the, I think, weaken the kind of quality and power of it. But from all from what Ross D. Davis said, talked about it, he's just taking, a, a, he's got an executive producer credit, but he's he's not um, hands on. The creator of this series, Stephen Dunn, is really clever and talented. And I think it's and it's I think it's about it makes sense to do. To reboot it now to do this kind of story in this day and age and in this mm. and this climate because things have changed so much you know in terms of the lgbtq community etc so yeah i think it's, it's going to be interesting on the peacock network uh
0: what else star trek lower decks has got an early season three order <laughs> i mean i don't care um what else is happening uh jennifer jason <laughs> lee is joining hunters season two um I didn't watch The End of Hunter Season 1, so I don't care about that either. And The Right Stuff has been cancelled at Disney Plus. So. Oh, that, I mean, that is uh, the least <laughs> I don't care that about coming. that either. Yeah. What? Oh, my God, what a waste of time that was.
1: I couldn't pick that show out of the lineup.
0: No. Yeah, it's, it's the one that isn't as good as For All Mankind. It's absolutely not as good as For All Mankind, yeah. So that was the news, or as Terry likes to call it, the press releases read out on the show. <laughs> um, let's move on now to the reviews. And we begin with Leonardo, a show that I was bitterly disappointed to discover was not an origin story for the most misunderstood of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but rather Amazon's Da Vinci drama, uh, which sees Aidan Turner as the Milanese maestro and charts his early years as a young apprentice drawn to one of his models. And yes, I am very aware that he wasn't, in fact, from Milan, but it's set there and I was after alliteration. Uh, Boyd, what say you? Well... This is a very interesting project. It's um, created by Frank
2: Spotnitz of X Files mm-hmm. fame and Steve Thompson of Sherlock fame. Steve Thompson was kind of the third writer, really, um, of a lot of. Sherlock episodes, a lot of really important Sherlock episodes, um, with Mark Gatiss and Stephen Moffat. Um, And it's got incredible, Aidan Turner doing his first major um, project since Poldark. Giancarlo Giannini, the legendary Italian actor, is like his kind of um, uh, mentor, if you like. Mm. Um, And Freddie Highmore's in it at the beginning. He's got a framing device, of course it has, where Freddie Highmore's character (laughs) is kind of... Grilling him at the beginning and he's fully, it's years later and Aiden Turner's got massive amounts of facial hair to show that he is in. In the in the in the future, and then it flashes back, and the whole thing takes place with him clean shaved um, when he's a young lad, um, being tutored by Varocchi, played by Giancarlo Giannini, and he meets Caterina de Cremona, who's like a model in their world, where they will kind of have to draw her, played by Matilda de Angelis um, uh, of The Undoing fame, and um, it's kind of like a weird mishmash. It's a bit so it's it feels a bit. Kind of Euro, Euro mulchy. Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of, <laughs> it's got that kind of, um, feel, feels like it was made for international european markets in a way and so it's a bit mystery murder mystery it's a bit kind of actual look at what life must have been like for leonardo da vinci and what actually happened to him and then there's this whole element the whole cartoon i was reading up on it and historians d- don't even know whether this figure yeah. existed
0: she might be fictional yeah absolutely a completely fictional figure <laughs> and it kind of
2: <laughs> implies there's going to be a romance between them and like she mm. definitely wants there to be romance with him he's a weirdly goofy nerdy dweeby character. Um so it's quite a leap from to be credit to Aidan Turner, from the you know um Poldock was all about this strong, maverick, rebellious dark figure. This one, he's kind of like a nerd. He's like a giant nerd in the middle of this whole world. Um, and doesn't know how to talk to this woman or, or women. Doesn't really, kind of is the outside in this group of dudes who will think he's a bit weird and freaky. Um, and yet he's massively talented. He can draw and paint brilliantly and has a kind of, you know, he's an architect as well. But it's an odd confection of different... I don't have a problem with not being able to stick to one genre or being a mishmash of things. That's fine. But I didn't feel... But pacing was off for me. Like, scenes went on way too long. Um, there was a lot of scenes where he and, um, and Katarina de Cremona just kind of, like... Flirting with each other a bit (laughs) and nothing really happens. And she gets annoyed with him and he walks off and then it happens about two more times. For me, the whole the episode, the first episode was exciting. There's a great scene, a spectacular visual scene where they're lifting this massive golden globe thing onto this huge big church spire thing and it's like it could they could drop and fall on people and kill thousands of people and there's, a, and there's thousands of people watching this event happen it was like architecture as building as live sport almost and I thought that was really interesting like that was the killer scene and you wanted to know what the fuck was going on it was quite tense and, and brilliantly done and you thought they'd spent all of their CGI money on this spectacular scene but the rest of it was like a bit blah it was a bit
0: I, I'm not sure I, if I really I cared that. That you've hyped this up by saying the big action sequence is renaissance construction work and yeah, involves a crane it was.
2: Like- <laughs> it was wasn't it everything else that was by far the most I exciting mean, thing did we watch a
1: different show <laughs> <laughs> When you were like this is an amazing set piece I was like oh, you won't no, believe the
2: crane I mean crane I thought it was exciting and um, finally my final point is there was the most exciting element of the whole show the the live architecture was I, I think hopefully I only watched one episode there are eight but Leonardo Leonardo, I was going to say DiCaprio, Leonardo da <laughs> Vinci, by all, by all accounts, was mostly having relationships with men. I mean, yes, that is the will. bottom line, and there's n- almost no tiny little hint, maybe, in this of that. Apparently, they will address this, as as I've read, and you know, we've I've only seen one episode, so I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. But it is a weird way in, I think, to the Leonardo da Vinci story to uh-huh. have him flirting with this fictional woman for point and pointlessly.
1: But I read this. I read this interesting article on the Guardian about um, uh, his sexuality and why we can't accept that Leonardo was gay. And there's, a, there's a and you know when the Guardian published corrections, they published them at the end. Yeah. there's a note that says this article was amended to make clearer. That Caterina de Cremona is not depicted as Leonardo da Vinci's lover in the series.
2: Oh right, okay. And
1: it's like, but but that yeah, special, well, in that first yeah, episode, yeah. that's, that, that's that what case, they're setting it, up. It
2: feels like even more a fucking waste
0: of time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's an odd way in, isn't it? That yeah. that framing device, the murder mystery framing device, it is a strange way into this series. And look, something like da Vinci's demons, which is complete pulp, like plays that character very differently and clearly very fictionalized. But he's, I mean, watching this, he seemed to be being deliberately played as on the spectrum slightly and not quite sort of in sync with the people i mean yes it's all genius like he's savant like he sees things other people don't see like the true nature of things is kind of what he deals in the truths, his own truths and the truths of objects and their flaws and their experiences um so i guess we're supposed to sort of be be failing to understand the fringes of his genius uh, but also he's a bit of a bellend which doesn't necessarily <laughs> help his case particularly either i must admit i was perhaps less taken buy the crane set piece than you were is it gonna lift it is it not what's gonna happen
2: well I mean think about how much fucking money they spent on it before you take the piss out of me I'm not the one who spent all their
0: CGI budget on it all that money on a crane yeah
1: Yeah. I mean look this was I mean it may be this is indicated by Boyd (laughs) (laughs) banging on about that scene so much is there are large parts of this where very little happens and it's quite boring so I struggle through this (laughs) Freddie Highmore this is not your finest moment oh god you're right I mean there are there are bits where it's excruciating it seems like really odd casting Aidan Turner I feel like he's trying to be thought like play thoughtful rather than thirst trap and (laughs) it just he just I mean James says on the he's playing it like it's on the spectrum I just thought he's like seemed a bit conf like confused mainly, um, and I was like, is that meant to hint at him grappling with his sexuality? But I I think we were probably maybe reading more into it than was the intent of of the program makers. I do think Matilda De Angelis is I think she's an absolute star. Mm, she's great, but there's weird accent stuff mm. going on. Not in terms of people having accent, but people having very weird accents that aren't definable or discernible, really. It has got that slight Euro... There's a slight Euro trash yeah. thing about yeah. it where it's generic <laughs> European accent. Um, I, I found this honestly quite bizarre because, as you say, it's got this setup of a murder mystery. Then it kind of just becomes... You're meant to believe you're discovering something about his genius. Then you've got the bloody crane debacle.
2: (laughs) Debacle (laughs) is a (laughs) good word.
1: And it just, tonally, it's Mm. all over the shop. I had no idea what it was trying to be or to whom. Um, It took it so seriously at times. It was quite austere and quite like... Just be- took took the whole thing quite seriously, and then in other times it tried to be a bit pulpy. The scene where she's been poisoned and drops dead is literally ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's like you know when you were a kid in a playground, you'd play dead. It was like that. She like flung herself on the floor in a ridiculous fashion. Um, I just found this bizarre and wanted a. It to start.
2: You're right about the accent thing though. It's such a weird, and I didn't understand because he's doing an RP, like received pronunciation, like Mm. a kind of southern accent. And Aidan Turner's got a beautiful kind of Irish accent. The, the, they why not, you know, he's playing fucking Leonardo. It doesn't matter. What, why should it be in an up, English uptight? And I think it kind of, it, it, you kind of get distracted by that. He could have just done his normal accent, it would have been fine. And there are other people, as you say, doing it really over the top Italian accent. I think there's an ADR issue as well. You know ADR, um, whether yeah. it's called, where they have to um, yeah. re-record their dialogue. And there's a lot of really, I felt bad, clumsy ADR going on in this, um, where what they were saying wasn't matched by the lip lip movements, basically. So there's kind of those issues technically with it as well. Yeah, it is is a, a Euro mishmash.
0: Dodgy accents then, but it does have a CGI crane. Leonardo does air on Amazon Prime from the 16th of April and next up we have itv's too close which stars emily watson as a forensic psychiatrist tasked with assessing denise goff's connie a woman accused of trying to kill herself and her two children hot fact denise goff voiced jennifer in the video game the witcher 3 it all comes oh back God. to the witcher uh but that's not strictly relevant uh terry would you toss a coin to too close <laughs>
1: even work (laughs) it does
0: it's witcher related she was in the witcher game it's connected to the witcher series it's all connected
1: Voiced in the witcher game yes therefore your entire (laughs) intro to this tv show is a reference to toss a coin to the witcher Mm -hmm. would you toss a coin to us right you see what i did there. okay now the last show didn't know what it is this knows entirely fucking what it is And it is deranged. (laughs) Um, So I saw the adverts for this before I found out we were reviewing it. And I got very excited because every time the advert came on, I was like, what the fuck is happening? There is a woman who looks like Joan of Arc, right? When she's had all her hair pulled out and is about to be put on a fire. She looks like Joan of Arc. And she's like, appears to be completely mad. And Emily Watson's in it. Both of these things are really exciting to me. Now this is a adaptation of a book also called Too Close, um, written by well it was under the pen name of N- Natalie Daniels, but it's actually by an author called Clara Salaman, who um, was screenwriter on this. It's a three episode series. I've watched the first episode, um, and there is nothing subtle about this. So I feel like there's this thing at the moment. Um, I mean, we had it with Behind Her Eyes with Netflix. There's so something about these books which are kind of psychological thrillers quite pulpy quite um heavy-handed in what they do which make kind of these ripe for uh, adaptation but they all even if they're slightly different in genre and the story they tell the thing they all have that i kind of like is this commitment to being fucking deranged and this is absolutely <laughs> that so the basic setup is it's the relationship between um, a forensic psychiatrist, who which is who Emily Watson plays, and her patient. So it's a woman, as you say, who has done something unspeakable. The whole thing opens with her driving her car with two kids in the back into a river. Um, and then essentially she comes to, for want of a better phrase, in a psychiatric hospital. And Emily Watson is tasked with working out if she is criminal or if she is mad, and it'll determine whether she goes to prison or if she ends up in a psychiatric hospital, essentially what will happen to her. And this her is a, a woman called Connie, who is played by Denise Goff, as you said, who, apart from being the fucking voice in fucking The Witcher <laughs> whatever game, is also like an Olivier Award-winning stage she actress. She peaked so, with the know. Wild
0: Hunt, Terry, let's be honest. Um,
1: and there is something, there is something quite stagey and theatrical about her performance, actually. She really goes for it and it's it's Boyd's favourite It's kind of between two time frames. So there's the present, which is her in this hospital. I think they actually shot in Broadmoor Prison and it's actually really good. The set's really good. It it, it feels um really kind of as, as you'd expect a psychiatric ward to feel. As somebody who's been in a psychiatric ward, I thought it was very realistic. Um the oppression, the kind of um the sense of being caged, all of that is is really well depicted. Now, Emily Watson's character is really fascinating and, and it's really about that kind of psychological games they play with each other because Connie, as it turns out from these flashbacks, was essentially a classic middle-class mum. So she works from home, she's got beautiful kids, she has lovely blonde hair before something happens, which means she suddenly has big massive bald patches and, and looks like she, you know she's taking clipless to her own head. And... Um, the setup is that you kind of re- revisit in her life. She's got this husband who seems like a kind of all right guy, seems a bit boring. Clearly, there's no spark in their relationship anymore. But maybe that's just what happens when you get married. But it, it things start to shift. And as I say, I've only seen the first episode when she meets a new woman who moves in across the road, played by Thalissa Tyera. And she becomes her new Hal, and the too close of the title you start to work out is probably referring to their relationship. You don't know. Essentially, the big gap in the story is how did she go from being a nice, posh, middle class, stay-at-home mum to being a woman who is literally covered in bruises, covered in cuts, is skeletal, has this mad, mad... I mean, that the hair is the thing that I can't go over. She's like... She's got a shaved weird head and like big bald patches and clearly she's incredibly unwell. And actually to be, she puts in an amazing performance because these flashbacks, she's literally just a normal mum like in the park doing face painting and the way she's shifted in those psychiatric scenes, she is taunting, her voice sounds different, her manners really different Um, and let me just say fair play to everyone involved in this because nobody fucks about in this they really like the intent it's very heavy-handed nothing about this is particularly subtle and the main dynamic in the present days is that obviously there are kind of I think Emily Watson sees mirrors in her own marriage in Mm. her own life and it starts to kind of what that does to her relationship, what that does to her kind of psychology. I mean, some of it – I mean, she's called the yummy mummy monster. Like, there's stuff like that. When I say it's not subtle and it's very heavy-handed, there is stuff like she's called the yummy mummy monster. There's somebody who works in the psychiatric ward who basically bullies her um, because she's done something unspeakably awful. Um, And, you know, there's stuff where I think – and I haven't seen the final two – Interesting conceits to unpick like there's always a sense of mothers who hurt children, how they're demonized different to men because one of the you know strongest bonds that's meant to exist in in the world is a maternal bond and there's there's interesting things like that I hope it kind of digs into, but I don't know because it is it, as I say, it's, it's very on the nose with a lot of stuff. It's really kind of out there. It does not disappoint on the trailer. So if you saw the trailer and thought, this looks <laughs> fucking nuts, should I watch it? My answer is absolutely yes. So I, I was completely compelled by the first episode. I have no idea where it's going. You don't actually learn a lot about kind of that gap in the middle in the first episode. So there's a lot to do in, in the last two, but I am fully here for it. And I can't wait to hear how James hates this sh- ah, this show. I don't
0: Robin. hate it at all. See you see you judge me too hard. I mean you don't. It's probably true. But I I know I thought it was I thought it was good. I didn't believe a fucking word of it. Like it's absolutely ridiculous. She sits there and goes full Hannibal Lecter and starts sort of toying with Emily Watson and sort of poking little verbal daggers into the cracks in her armour about her own life. It's like oh come on. What is this nonsense? That said it's really enjoyable. She acts her absolute socks off Denise got and is, <laughs> is really really watchable. There is a scene with hysterical laughter which i found incredibly hard to watch which was really upsetting so it pushes your emotional buttons as well but yeah i'm fascinated to see where it goes i'm I'm interested in both of their lives because the the mystery is you know what's connie's backstory what has led her to get where she is and there's a scene towards the end of the first episode which adds another layer to that but you're also like what's gone wrong and you kind of do find out but what's happening in emily watson's character's life like her relationship has become Epically stale. Like she coexists with her husband, but she doesn't pick up the phone when he calls. Like she seems to have a certain amount of contempt for him. And there's a sex scene in this, which is yeah. uh, particularly again yeah. awkward, but deliberately so. Like
1: I love the fact there's a scene where she's smoking out of the window, <laughs> yeah. and he rings her up. As yeah. you say, know, she ignores yeah. it and then answers it on the second ring. We've all done that, right? And goes. <laughs> And he goes, are you smoking? Yeah, no, and she was like, no. no. Yeah. And, you, and she's like, oh, for fuck's sake, I can't even yeah, smoke secretly. He he could tell from just, I thought that yeah, was like really good, yeah. brilliantly dumb. I yeah. thought
2: when Terry said um, at the beginning of her review, um, this is a show that knows what it is. Yes, it's Silence of the Lambs. I mean, it's so Silence of the Lambs. It's so Hannibal mm. Lecter meets Clue yeah. Star. But I so. love that. I'm One of my favourite things in all of film and tv is brilliant the very best rolls-royce cast like anthony hopkins and jodie foster and this you've got denise goff and emily watson these two giants of acting denise goff right she i mean she's known in the industry i think for 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 loving this kind of yennefer and we've talked about this but even even more than that james she's known for her for doing these absolutely spectacular Um, intense roles. Like I saw her in Angels in America at the National Theatre and she starts off in a very first scene, there's like snot coming out of her nose and dribbling and hysteria and that's the first scene and there's several more hours of that play to go. It's like, (laughs) where do you go from there? And this is the same. She starts a peak, a peak of like madness, if I like, for, for for want of a better word, and keeps it up and keeps it going and reaches new levels, new peaks as it goes on. I just think, and there is something about Super brilliant, high-class Rolls-Royce actors doing pulpy material. And it is pulpy that I love. And I have to say, Sue Tully directed this. Sue Tully famously used to be in Grange Hill, and um, she directed Line of Duty and other things. She does a brilliant job because this does not look or feel, we often use the phrase, like a traditional ITV mainstream drama. This starts out with a great set piece sequence that I think she directs brilliantly with like the rain and the darkness and the whole tone of it. I think is really interesting, and I think she does a brilliant job directing it, so it just it, it's really intense, and there's some real, you know, when people say there's dark stuff, you know, in a drama, but this really does go there, and and I love that about it, so I, I can't wait to see the rest of it I have to say.
0: It's not, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you, I, I love that kind of, back, that's why I love Cracker so much, that Cracker nails this, yeah. that kind of psychological interplay as they kind of lock mental horns and wrestle over interrogations and it's what, uh, it's what happens it's slightly different in Silence of the Lamb because Clarice is so outmatched by Lecter, whereas in this, like, it's interesting that they both bring their issues to it, and these. But she's of them want not to... by the
1: end. Sorry, this isn't a Silence of the Lambs <laughs> review. i was just going to say, but, that, but her maturation a yeah. yes. character yes. is her, matched her by her maturation her... yeah. but when yeah, when she goes in, interview.
0: he toys with her in you know yeah, early yeah. on, yeah. which is very much what what Gough's character tries to do here. But Watson is having absolutely fucking none yeah, of it, which I rather but enjoyed.
2: Gosse seems to have a superhuman awareness yes. of exactly what's going on in her life.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know where she gets the sort of laser, laser like, focus. <laughs> yeah, what, what yeah. perfume she's wearing, and she's yeah, had I and
1: Farbagoons. Well also... <laughs> Because all middle-class women have the same concerns, which is like, yeah. which is which is mummy guilt, which is like, I don't fancy my husband and don't want to have sex with him anymore. Like, come on. Yeah, okay. it's, it's
0: a bit basic psychology. Right, maybe it's not, not you know, human. Not so superhuman. Yeah. It's yeah.
1: Basic, 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 basic yeah. psychology. None of us have got that much to worry about, so we worry about things like that.
0: <laughs> so, lectern light that is, is what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, Too Close starts on ITV on Monday, tonight, April 12th at 9pm. And finally this week we have Frank of Ireland, in which Brian Gleeson plays a man named Frank, who yes lives in Ireland uh, Frank lives with his mother in Dublin and is I think it's fair to say a hot mess isn't that right Boyd he is a massive hot mess a
2: gigantic bellend this is uh, I mean I can't wait to hear what you think of this show so this is a series exec produced by Sean Hogan and her production company um, created by the Gleeson brothers Brian and Donal obviously Donal is like, kind of like a big big star you know he's doing Hollywood yeah. movies and stuff yeah. Brian less so but Brian's we've, he was in that series The Bisexual that Channel 4 series which I thought was very and he, he was not a particularly um, likeable character. I think he specialises in playing Bellens and, <laughs> and, 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 and Doofuses. And brilliantly, uh, Donald Gleeson's character is literally <laughs> called, called Doofus. Doofus. So <laughs> that's something, if you find that funny, and I do, then you may well find this funny. I mean, this is pretty much like how entertaining can we make a bunch of absolute morons, the, 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 these two particularly. Um, and the way that um, Brian Gleeson's character treats his best friend, and they're not brothers in the show, they're mates. So the way he treats Doofus is unbe- borderline abusive and exploitative. And Doofus is, is, is a moron. He's, a living with, he's an idiot. He's a classic kind of sitcom idiot. And I thought he was very entertaining. I I, I thought Donald Gleeson's, um performance was really, really funny. But I think the, the extent to which you will enjoy this show will probably be all about whether you can cope with the whole idea and concept of Frank himself as being this guy who sleeps with a different woman every night, who, who is obsessed with his ex. Um, Sarah Green, yeah, brilliant. Sarah Green brilliantly from the Dublin Dublin Murders and Normal People etc. Mm. Great cast in this show, you know. Um, but she's met a a new guy who's an MMA fighter, and yeah. so the running joke,
0: Ebony Moore,
2: it's Ebony Moore. Right, there you go. <laughs> um, the running joke in this in this first episode is that he's an MMA fighter, and Frank thinks that he's doing mm MDMA the drug, and that is a running joke that goes on and on and on. And if you think that's funny, again, that's a clue as to whether you'll like this or not. I thought it was quite funny, and on top of this whole situation of like mad, eccentric, doofus characters in Ireland kind of living their crazy lives. Which I found fairly understanding. On top of that, it's got this extra thing, which is that every episode has a kind of pastiche of a famous film thing going on. So in this first episode, it's Taxi Driver. So you literally get scenes where there's a. Oh, <laughs> James isn't happy, listeners. I can tell I'm you not that. Happy. So there are images and like there's a pastiche of the Bernard Herman soundtrack of Taxi Driver. There are shots of him. And, he, and, if, and in case you don't get the joke, he actually says, Have you seen Taxi Driver in the scene where he's in a taxi being driven from one place to the other? And he asks the driver whether he's seen Taxi Driver. And he likes Robert De Niro. So to round the point out, no, and I believe that every episode is gonna have a different film pastiche element to it. So that's a kind of interesting thing overlaying mm. the the general scenario. Now I have to say I did a Terry on this. When I first watched this, which was quite a while ago, they sent this to me a while ago to, to get a kind of, you know, what do you think of this thing? And I didn't really like it. I didn't get on with it. I have to say, I thought it was a bit try-hard and a bit like, oh, all these eccentric people in Ireland and how stupid are they and i found him just too annoying but then i watched it again to remind myself and i actually enjoyed it a lot more the second time around and i did enjoy it and i did i found it funny for some reason it just hit home and whether it was the mood i was in i was just in the mood for something stupid and it does is a celebration of male stupidity and or not celebration it's definitely like a kind of you know that's what it's about it's like about you know how idiotic these dudes can be and i kind of enjoyed it on that level and i really and i and I do really love Donald's character particularly. And
0: I think he's really, really funny. Can we talk about the taxi driver thing, please? Yeah. Like let's 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 avoid the fact that Taxi Driver as a film has become like a rallying cry for incels around the world. And just focus on the fact that they they do a lot of taxi driver, but they focus on one particular quote, which is clearly not pre-watershed friendly. So there is always traffic noise, so you don't get the whole quote. But that quote is A, not funny, and B, thoroughly fucking unpleasant as it relates to a fucking 12-year-old prostitute. And I'm just like, I'm not quite sure where the comedy gold is in that. Am I alone here? Mm, kind of. Mean. Yeah. Clearly. Well, yeah. I just thought, I think it's a kind of a bit of a vile quote and I don't think it's as funny but, as they think it is.
1: But then your problem is with Taxi Driver, not really with the show, right? No, it
0: exists in Taxi Driver, not for comedy effect, but they seem to have taken that to try and mine comedy gold out of this joke, so much so that it is brought up on three separate occasions.
1: But that's the running gag, and it's it's brought up, and it is so unspeakably awful that they put the traffic noise over to make that point.
0: Exactly. But it's not the words that are awful. It's like the context of the quote in the film is deeply unpleasant, and I'm just not sure tonally that works in this absurd kind of... Of madcap doofus comedy. Oh, I just, don't be a square. Exactly, well, it didn't work yeah. for me at all. I found that distasteful.
1: <laughs> I thought this was fucking hilarious. Of course you did. Like, I was dying. <laughs> um, I watched the first two, and the second one is a pastiche of misery, um, which is amazing. And can we just... Who we haven't paid tribute to is the star of the show, who is Pam Boyd oh, yeah. huh. as their mother... Well, not their mother, his mother... Um, as Frank's mother, who is promiscuous and a drunk and just fucking hilarious. I mean, she is brilliant. And the whole second episode revolves around her being ill in bed and them having to look after her. Um, but it all, I mean, it goes wrong in in ways you can't even imagine. Um, so I found this really, really, really funny. I thought the conceit of the film um, reference as well was really, really clever, I thought the writing was brilliant. Um, I just th- I just found it hilarious. And I have to say when it started up, I was like, I'm gonna hate this. I'm mm. gonna hate this. I'm just but I didn't, I thought it was really, really smart. The layers to it, they were like, it's I, I think it's actually really sophisticated as a piece of comedy. It's there. There is this. You can don't you laugh, James Dyer, The stuff like the way this has been built and constructed. I think is a bit of a fuck, Like it's it's not just the straightforward comedy show, and you could mistake it as such because he's called Doofus, and yes. Frank lives and Frank lives with his mom in his early thirties, and you know, and it, the whole setup sounds very simplistic, mm-hmm. but it's actually not. I I just thought this was Were Oscar hilarious. Wilde
0: alive he would have been very envious of the boner gag in the MMA room. Oh, yeah. This was
1: pretty fucking I sophisticated stuff there. Oh, James <laughs> is getting very
0: pompous already. I
1: know. Love it. Boner. Yes. I know it's a boner in my comedy. Put <laughs> <laughs> your boner it, away. Did that's you, not funny. James, are you slightly
2: triggered by the fact that the central idiot of this show is, wants to be a singer songwriter and plays the guitar? Is that your issue yeah, with it? Which I think is it, an observation it. which is so on point. And, and yeah. there's a brilliant moment where he talks about his album that he's got in mind a 32 track album, each song based on a different county of Ireland. That, I, I, all of those things, I agree with Terry, that it's
0: really, really well scripted and funny. Well, my reaction was very much your initial reaction, Boyd. I found this very try hard and I did not find it funny. And honestly, I'm going to leave it there because I'm never going to watch it again. But uh, no I'm glad I. you enjoyed I'm gonna watch it. All yeah, I can't I'm going oh, to watch all the it. I can. Yeah. I'm really God, into You it. two are just the worst. <laughs> When's it on, Boyd? I know it's on Channel 4. Friday. When's it there? No, no, Friday. Thursday. Sorry, Thursday. Thursday ten o'clock. After Thursday ten um, o'clock. Yeah, after on Channel Talkmaster. Four. Channel Four. Find all of your sophisticated boner gags there. Um, what else is on this week? There are a few other things that we have not. Covered, isn't that right, Boyd?
2: Yeah, I should mention. Why are you like this? It starts on mm. Friday on Netflix. Um, it's a really interesting. It's an Australian show. It was actually made a couple of years ago. Although, kind of, Netflix is slightly like hoping we don't notice that it was made in 2008 because <laughs> they're kind of saying it's the thing about this show. It's like a. It's like a. It's. I, it reminded me of girls that when girls came along, it reflected completely. It felt incredibly reflective of what was going on at that moment in pop culture and in the way people talk and literally the way that they, you know, they spit. They say sentences. And in this, it's like an incredibly acute observational comedy about young people, how they work, how they live together, how dealing with sexuality and gender and all of those things. And it feels like the whole concept of the show really is we're going to make the most now culturally show you can possibly think of. And everything that happens in it is going to be about how people relate to each other in this world. I'm going to use the word woke as a shortcut. Mm. It's kind of about you know what some people use the woke generation, and it is, but it is about that. And what what does that mean, and how do they interact? And it's kind, it's pretty funny. I thought, but I, I think people will find it really interesting. It's cool. So why are you like this? It's on Netflix on Friday.
0: What else is happening? Fear the Walking Dead returns to AMC on Monday the twelfth. I'm sure you're both very excited about that. Um, is there anything else that seems, to be broadly speaking, yeah, it. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. All right. What would be our pick of the week? He said, not wanting to ask the question.
2: Um. I think too close.
1: Frank and uh, Maybe Frank and Ireland,
0: yeah. I really like both of them. I think they're both great.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Can we say a draw? Yeah, it's a
0: draw. <laughs> is
2: it Leonardo for you, James?
0: <laughs> for the CGI no. crane? Honestly, of the three this week, oh, uh, too close probably oh, for me, okay. actually, yeah. out of these three. Um, I didn't hate Leonardo, but I won't be watching any more of it. So. <laughs> and Frank Violin can be thrown in the sea. Um, all right, fine. Well, that is it for the latest episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. And the last episode of the Pilot TV Podcast to be brought to you from Terry's abode here in the capital before she heads up beyond the wall to become a proper northerner at last yes. uh, so that at the very least should be worthy of a five star rating so feel free to drop one of those upon us uh, and why not hear about terry's exploits past the frost fangs in the far north on social media where well, you can find her at terry underscore white and at terry L. white one of them on instagram one of them on twitter i can't remember which and it doesn't really matter um <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was new <laughs> well occasionally like every 50 odd episodes i will i will cop to the fact that terry in. in- conveniently has two social media handles but uh, yeah. somebody
1: else had terry underscore why what can i tell you i know i twitter came along before instagram
0: unbelievable unbelievable but anyway if you're going to follow terry I was going to say follow me and Boyd but Boyd is on at Boyd Hilton but frankly he doesn't need the followers so just follow me at James C. Dyer please and uh, what's going to be happening next week well I guess next week we'll be hitting the YA fantasy hard with Netflix's lavish adaptation of Shadow and Bone however however even in saying that I'm not sure we will because I'm pretty sure the embargo goes quite up to the wire on that show so yeah. there's a possibility we won't be able to review it next week and we'll have to review it the week after what we will be reviewing though is we'll be joining Kate Winslet on a murder hunt uh Uh, as Kate makes her return to TV after a very long time, actually, uh, in HBO's Mayor of Easttown. So we will get to review that one next week. Uh, Unfortunately, though, Terry won't be participating in either of these things as she's taking a week off, presumably, to learn how to hunt mammoths and fashion weapons (laughs) out of sharpened sticks and the things that you do up north. Um, But fear not, because Beth Webb will be subbing in for her, bringing a touch of Swindon to the show. But until then, pilot out.